everyone's chemical makeup, everyone's mental structure is made up differently. Microdosing might not work for me, but it could work for plenty of other people. It has helped a lot of people, especially with PTSD. And for people that are suffering from this, and especially suffering for a long time without having some type of relief from their suffering, microdosing psilocybin is life-changing for them. The amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak. They talk to you. They will answer questions, carry on conversations. Psilocybin just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet up. Hello there, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Psilocybin Says. Or if this is your first time joining us, welcome to our show. Psilocybin Says is a podcast where myself, Eric Osborne, and my wife, Courtney Rose, explore lifestyle, personal growth, spiritual development, mental health, and today, a little bit of agriculture through the swirling, psychedelic lens of sacred mushrooms. Our guest on this episode is by far our most well-known to date. Ironically, though, this interview took place with this esteemed individual behind a mask, sunglasses, and a baseball cap pulled down low. A not-so-public public figure, Philly Golden Teacher, isn't coming out of the shadows, but we're still very grateful to have him on our show. PGT, as he is known to his audience, is a mycological maestro. His YouTube channel, which is only a couple of years old, already has over 100,000 subscribers. His most popular upload, the Broke Boy Tech, which teaches a low-cost, low-tech cubensis cultivation method, has more than 834,000 views. In total, his videos have accumulated more than 4 million views. This guy has taught a whole lot of people how to grow psilocybin, and all under the cover of a pseudonym and sunglasses. That's impressive. Equally impressive are his dedication to the craft, the community, and his impressive ability to describe cultivation in an accessible, succinct manner that defangs a lot of the anxiety many people have around this endeavor. Our conversation, of course, covers many aspects of growing sacred mushrooms, such as strain development, morphology, and contributing factors to potency, but we also discuss PGT's mental health journey, microdosing, and what it's like being a clandestine cultivator. Challenging indeed, something that Courtney and I remember all too well from our many years of underground psilocybin cells and administration. Check out PGT's YouTube channel, and social media by following the links in the show notes. And if you're new to Psilocybin Says or just haven't gotten around to it yet, be sure to subscribe for future episodes and give us that five-star rating, please, to help increase our ability to reach an ever-expanding audience. It is a pleasure to share our work with you, and we would love to share it with many more. That gets infinitely easier with the support of our existing audience. Thank you, as always, for joining Courtney and I on this show. And now, with no further ado, the great Billy Golden Teacher. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Psilocybin Says. This is Courtney Rose. And Derek Osborne. We are here with uh, PGT, Philly Golden Teacher today. The notorious PGT. Yeah. Welcome (laughs) to our show. Yeah, thank you guys for inviting me here. I'm, I'm glad to be here. 
Oh, it's a pleasure. Yeah, this was uh, courtesy of our friend and colleague, Tristan Harris, who has been following your work for quite some time and has been a major fan. So I know he's going to be listening to this, having some some fanboy moments as we go through. <laughs> okay. but, which is awesome. You know, you've got quite a following. And as someone who has been cultivating, consuming, collecting psilocybin for more than, I don't know, 20 plus years at this point, it's really wonderful to see the growth in this knowledge base and the expansion of the community around psilocybin. So I want to really thank you for what you're doing. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I get a lot of thanks for, for what I'm doing. And I don't know, for me personally, it just feels like my calling, my purpose in life. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what, what I gravitate towards. That's why I do it. So, Well, tell us a little bit of how you got in line with this purpose. How, what, what led you to Sacred Mushrooms? Uh, okay. Um, I, I don't want to like, uh, I mean, people that have heard the other podcasts that I've been on, uh, I've been on Psilocybin Tribesmen, and I've also been on DMZ World. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of reiterate a, we, this. We've got a different audience, though, so don't worry about repeating information. Okay. All right. So what got me into psilocybin and mushrooms? Um, personally, for me, it was uh, a big thing had to do with mental health for me. Uh, mental health over the years of I've suffered from depression, anxiety. I believe I have ADHD or ADD. Um, anyways, uh, a lot of it tends to gravitate to me self-medicating and also uh, ended up with some substance abuse. Uh, but anyways, uh, mental health was just not quite there for me. So I've tried going to therapy. I've tried um, being on SSRIs. Um, I, I hated the side effects of them. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I tried, you know, to get help to, to, to deal with my struggles, uh, my mental health struggles. So anyways, uh, I didn't like the SSRIs. And then I kind of started looking in to try and resolve this myself. And I, I found a TED Talk, actually. Uh, that kind of went across how psilocybin can help in terms of addiction, depression, uh, in terms of that kind of treatment. And it kind of opened up my eyes towards it and it made me curious towards it. So that's kind of what led me towards it. And then I wanted to try and get a hold of some psilocybin. And, you know, in, in terms, I kind of learned how to just grow and produce it myself um, in that process. So it, it, that's what got me started down the rabbit hole. Okay. How long ago was that? Uh, 2017. Oh, okay. So five years now. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So, so how long uh, was it after that, that you began your cultivation journey? I mean, for me, uh, being kind of like ADD, I, I kind of hyper, I kind of switch hobbies and I kind of hyper focus on certain hobbies once I get in really into it. And then once I kind of, you know, found growing mushrooms as, as a hobby, uh, I, I kind of, was addicted to it and it uh i would say within like a, a year or so or less than a year i just started getting into it because it, it didn't seem that hard like for me doing the research on it, it it just wasn't that difficult to do it um you just need patience it's, it's a lot of patience that comes with it so i just dove right in and uh i just explored it uh, explored what psychedelics have to offer in terms of mental health treatment and how it can help me and uh, for me it, it's been life-changing for me so that's why i kind of gravitate towards being able to give back this gift that i've received mm -hmm. from the mushrooms um to other people as well because i i want to be able to help other people that struggle through mental health ptsd um any type of mental health conditions like there, there's I mean, psilocybin might not work for everybody, 
but it works for some people. And if it works for you, that that's medicine that I believe like it's, you know, it's, it's natural, it's holistic, it's, it's medicine. And it's just like, it's this wonderful thing that, that God put on earth for us. And we just, you know, just kind of overlook it sometimes and just kind of realize that like, there's way more to life than what meets our eyes or what meets our reality and, and what we perceive the world as. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's really appreciated to hear that perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. on, yeah, so it, it, it's definitely changed my, it, it was a tool, I would say, to, to help me change my perspective on life. And it, it got me out of the depression fog. Like I'm in the process of self-improvement at this moment. So it, it's it's helping me along the way. And I, I really like kind of owe my life to the, the magic of psilocybin. That's kind of what draws me to continue doing this. And you know, it, it's turned my life around, so um, I want to continue doing this path if I can. But, you know, I'm just trying to help others along the way uh, as I'm doing it as well. I mean, it, the more um, time I spend learning, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not like a, a complete expert that knows it all. Like, you know, I'm learning at the same way as everyone else. Like, so, like growing mushrooms, there's just so much to uncover in terms of this field. Like, we just don't understand. We only understand, like, maybe, like, just a surface level. But, like, there's a whole lot more that goes into mushroom cultivation than we, you know, initially thought. So it's an expanding field, and I personally like being here along with the, the growth and the ride with it. So tell us, tell us about your first experience uh, with mushrooms. I'm really curious to hear about that. That first. Um, would you want to know like my very first one when I was younger, or like my first one that kind of um, in the recent years where I've, I've tried to help my mental health? Let's hear about the one that stands out to you the most. Okay. Um... Wow. Uh, the ones that stands out to me the most personally are heroic doses. Yeah. Um, for me, heroic doses, I feel, are the life-changing doses. Um, they're very scary sometimes, but if you can learn to surrender and and let go to the experience, it can be extremely blissful. Mm-hmm. I kind of equate it to like reaching a state of enlightenment. I mean, for me, mental health-wise, it's when I hear in like the Ted talk where it's like, it's like years of therapy within like one session. Like I, I truly believe that I, mm-hmm. I, I've gone through it myself. So, um, it's definitely changed my point of view. It makes me more grateful. It definitely humbles me. And, you know, I, I do appreciate the, the life that we have. And, and I think everyone should be able to be able to do the same. Um, but yeah, that's kind of uh, my experiences that have been uh, the most life-changing for me are the heroic doses. I've tried microdosing. Uh, for me, microdosing is not for me personally. I, I find I get the most therapeutic benefits out of macrodoses. Mm-hmm. But microdosing um, for me just kind of gives me a little bit more jittery. It's hard for me to stay focused. So it, like I said, it, it works differently on different people. Not everyone will react the same way to psilocybin. So how I react will complete, can be completely different how you react to it. So it's kind of good to just kind of explore and experiment to see what works for you. Like if microdosing works for you in terms of your depression, stick with it. You know, I, I wholeheartedly agree by that, you know, and, you know, just kind of push the threshold if you feel that you're comfortable with, um, you know, psychedelics and then just kind of, explore it's just a whole lot to to explore and learn in life it really is really is so what 
what do you consider or what is a heroic dose for you? I know McKenna, of course, talks about the five grams, uh, from, uh, you know, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Old and strains dependent and all that. That's true. Um, nowadays with the way mushroom cultivation has gone, um, there's a lot more potent mushrooms out there right. and it just depends on the dosage wise and what uh, variety or, or, or strain uh, of the dosage um, that you're going for. Like golden teachers uh, are kind of, in my experience, kind of very mild. Mm-hmm. Um, you can reach that state of heroic dose if you take enough of it. Um, however, there's other mushrooms that, that have more potency to kind of can bring you there on a lesser amount of dose, like right. you know, penis envy or any, any of the penis envy varieties. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? Like for you, what's a big dose of penis envy? What's a big dose of golden teacher? Uh, an eighth of a penis envy is already a big dose. Like mm-hmm. for me, I, I compare penis envy is kind of like twice as potent mm-hmm. as golden teachers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, an eighth of an ounce. Yeah. Yep. 3.5 grams. Yeah, three point five grams or so is is plenty enough. I think even two grams is enough to to kind of bring you you know out there uh, in terms of like really feeling it and kind of like having like ego dissolution uh, that comes with it. For I'm, sure. I'm glad that you pointed out um, earlier uh, when you were first speaking of a heroic dose. You pointed out that it can be very scary uh, of an experience, and um, I love to use that as a, a point to just note again to our our listeners how valuable it is to have someone uh that you trust uh that can help you out uh and reassure you and just you know uh make sure your your physical needs are taken care of uh during any kind of uh heroic dose uh with mushrooms yeah, it's just it's so variable. Uh, but again, that's what I have found over and over through the years is that the more challenging the experience generally means the more beneficial the experience. So this is our first, I think, conversation that we've had with a cultivator, if I'm not mistaken. I um, think I, I had so. a farm for a long time. I had a Magnificent Mushrooms was a, a brand that I developed in 2009. And I had that farm um in indiana until i was reported for psilocybin and was arrested courtney and i both uh, and then we moved the farm to jamaica and did psilocybin work there so i've got a quite a history in cultivation but i haven't been cultivating for the last directly for the last couple of years now and there have been so many amazing developments and strains and potency like you've already pointed out and i'd love if we could kind of geek out on some of that for a little bit before we go oh, yeah i'm totally before. down for it i've been following the mycology world for some years now and I've, I've seen the progress that it's made and like how close-knit the the michael community actually is yeah it's pretty incredible the the community that builds around mushrooms which is i think one of the most beneficial aspects of psilocybin is the bonding that it facilitates through shared experiences or through shared knowledge of cultivation um but before, before we get into too much of the, the nerdiness of cultivation and some of the questions that I have for you, I'm, I'd love if you could just fill us in on your timeline when the YouTube channel came into existence, because that's a pretty big leap to go from I cultivate mushrooms for my own personal benefit to I've got a YouTube channel now with 100,000 subscribers. Great question. Uh, I thank you for, for mentioning that. Um, so I started the YouTube channel in 2020. 
Um, it was right around the time COVID kind of had started. And it was actually August of 2020 is when I first uploaded my first video, and it was the Broke Boy Tech. And um, yeah, around that time is when I had experienced my my first dabbles with the heroic dose. It kind of changed my life for for that part, and it led uh, it lit it kind of lit my passion uh, inside of me. It, it's 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 it drove me to do what I did there. Uh, and at that time, uh, when I wanted to get into certain hobbies, I, I personally love YouTube as like a platform. Uh, to, to learn stuff. I really feel like the, the future generation is going to learn a whole bunch of stuff just based off of YouTube. They can become whatever they want, uh, mm -hmm. to be honest, uh, based off of YouTube and just what you can find on the internet nowadays. Um, but I wanted to go into that, explore that depth of mycology, and there were only a limited number of channels at that time when I kind of got into the, the space of YouTube. Um, Home Mycology has been one of them. Um, he's been around for, for a while. I consider him kind of like the OG of the YouTube uh, space. There was Arvin47, uh, 747 or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, there's Easy Breezy. There, there's, a, there's a number of people that kind of got into the same space. And for me personally, what I kind of look for whenever I try to like get in into like someone that I look you know, forward to on YouTube, um, I, I kind of just enjoy information that's kind of like straight to the point, very simple and direct kind of uh, approach. And I, I didn't see too many people doing that. So I kind of just jumped in and was like, hey, you know, I, I think I can create some videos to, to, to kind of fill in what I personally would like to see in a YouTuber um, that covers this. You know, I, I don't want to waste people's time and, and I just want to give enough value out there so that people can understand what's like to grow mushrooms. Um, so when I first started, it was just kind of like a side thing. Like I wanted, I, I did it for fun, you know, like I, I just experimented with different ideas. Like I, I came up with things that I thought was funny and, and kind of like threw it together in there. And, and it was really just like a side thing. I never really expected it to really get big. Um, I, it's, it's crazy how, how fast uh, the channel has grown. Yeah. since i've started and majority yeah. of it was just me just doing it for fun like i i just like to make entertaining videos and just kind of like throw my ideas out there what i find pretty interesting and crazy enough it it, it clicks for a lot of people <laughs> what's um, your most popular right video time, huh? um, most my broke boy tech video is probably my most popular um i mean that's a, that's the easiest way in my opinion to kind of get started into mushroom cultivation without having like a pressure cooker um, you just need a pot, some brown rice you can get at the grocery store, and, and spore syringe, and that's all you need, and some, some tubs, and you can just grow mushrooms uh, so that you easily. Did you coin that term, broke boy tech? No, actually, um, okay. the broke boy tech uh, came up by a user on Reddit by the name of Unemployed EMT, and he had written out a, a text post of the broke boy tech. He's, a, in my opinion, he's the original person that came up with the broke boy tech, and I kind of just read his thing I, I followed along and then kind of you know decided hey let's make a video about this because i i really think this is like one of the perfect ways to get into mushroom growing you know you don't have much products and th these are all always easy things to get so that's kind of what led me to make that video and i do credit unemployed emt in, in the credits for that you know it's it's isn't this it's the same thing as the uncle ben's tech isn't it or no 
Uh, it's similar. Um, mm-hmm. Uncle Ben's tech kind of uh, made it a lot easier for a lot of people to get into mushroom cultivation. Um, and me personally, um, I do owe some of my, I guess, career into the mycology field due to Uncle Ben's. Uh, because when I first started, I did the PF tech. Uh, the PF tech mm-hmm. was known for years. Um, and Uncle Ben's is kind of what reiterated the spark for, for my cultivation for mushrooms. Because I, it's like, oh, holy crap, this is just so easy. You just, <laughs> you know, buy a bag of rice and just inoculate it. Um, but, yeah, it's I, I got back into the hobby because of Uncle Ben's. Um, and I've had some hit or misses with Uncle Ben's uh, over there, the, over the time and it kind of what jump-started my growth into mycology and wanting to dive in kind of get more serious uh, with cultivation so I have a little bit of a like an entrepreneurial question are you with a hundred thousand subscribers with YouTube are you able to actually receive revenue from YouTube like is YouTube paying you uh yes I, I do monetize my videos so oh, I nice. receive oh. revenue from the videos. Um, I was initially when when it first started, I was making a good amount of revenue. Um, pretty much, that, that's when the boom happened. That's when COVID happened and people got laid off. People were looking for other mm-hmm. things to do, and a lot of people got into mushroom cultivation as one of those hobbies that they picked up during COVID. And I remember like when that happened out around the time I was releasing the videos, like the, the prices of pressure cookers was just like skyrocketing yeah. because of the, the demand for people yeah. like trying to like buy it uh, in terms of like canning or, or growing mushrooms. And yeah, I just kind of watched the, the whole thing happen. Um, things have kind of kind of like slowed down a little bit now. Um, but I, you know, I, I still think it's, it's a, a growing field of, of, you know, in terms of hobby and kind of like understanding more about mushrooms and how, we can be connected to to earth as a whole like it's it's just amazing to, to kind of look at for sure i i would have never thought you could monetize any kind of psilocybin content on youtube that's a big surprise to me well i i want my channel to kind of be focused more centered around just mycology in general just just any type of mushroom cultivation really like i'm, mm-hmm. I'm expanding into different types of uh mm-hmm. medicinal and gourmet mushrooms and i just want to be able to just teach people to how to grow mushrooms at home like whether they want you know oyster mushrooms or reishis or cordyceps mushrooms like for me it's just uh my my i feel my purpose is just kind of learn through my journey with the mushrooms and cultivation and just kind of share my experiences and what i've learned uh, along the way with other people that might be interested in in the same path that i am Mm-hmm. Love that. No, I do really appreciate the straightforwardness of your videos. You know, a lot of them are what six, eight minutes, and you got a few that are maybe in the 15, 20 minute range, it seemed like. Um, I've gone through a handful of them. Uh, you know, mo- most of the most of what I hear in terms of cultivation is a lot of stuff that I already know, which is where I'd love to get into digging into some of the deeper stuff that I, I didn't come across on your channel. I don't know that I have anywhere yet. Um Courtney pointed out that you were third place in the Oakland uh, Hyphae, wasn't it the Hyphae Cup? Is that what it was called? Uh, I was Oakland fourth Cup. place, yeah. Fourth, fourth place. place in the Oakland, uh, I believe it was the Fall Psilocybin Cup from uh-huh. Oakland Hyphae. Yep. That's, per- that's pretty awesome, huh? Yeah, I, I personally did not expect it that, um, but um, I, I did learn something from uh, achieving that. 
um, in, in terms of uh, psilocybin potency and kind of like or over the years, it just adds on to my experience of, of what I know in terms of um, cultivating them. So can we talk about some of the big, big learning experiences or takeaways that you had from that? How to modulate potency uh, and the very the chemical makeup of the mushrooms is, I think, going to be just kind of the the next frontier in cultivation as we look at therapeutic application and being able to target specific kind of mental health issues or varieties of experience. So I'd love it if whatever information you're you're open to sharing around developing potency and the entourage effect, perhaps even if you have any information there, I'd love to hear from you. Okay. Um all right. So in terms of potency, it's kind of hard to gauge potency on mushrooms sometimes. Um, just because each individual fruit will have a different amount of potency, like no two fruit kind of actually has the same potency. So it depends on the density, the, the weight of it, and, and kind of what the genetics are behind those uh, varieties. Certain varieties are definitely more potent than others, for sure. Um, and in my experience, um, varieties that take longer to grow develop more potency. So the penis envy varieties, um, Enigma is also another variety that takes really long to grow. Mm -hmm. And that's one, the, the first place in the, the psilocybin cup in the past, actually. Um, it was a mutation of uh, Tidal Wave uh, 2, I believe. Um, and yeah, Magic Michael submitted that to the cup and it, it that's what won first place. But like Enigma is very special in terms of like, it, it takes almost like two months to like fruit it. Mm -hmm. So the longer it takes, in my opinion, to grow, the, the more um, in terms of potency that it can develop. Mm -hmm. um, what about substrate makeup? That's I have found substrate makeup to have a significant impact on potency as well. Do you have any input there? Uh, substrate impact. Yes, it, it does. Uh, the more nutrients you can pack into the substrate, the more you'll get out in terms of potency, uh, especially if you have healthy grain spawn. If you have a healthy grain spawn and, you know, you have a, a good substrate mixture with a lot of nutrients in it, uh, it does benefit from that. Um, but, you know, I've, I've had successes growing them with just um, plain cocoa core as well. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't need additional nutrients but the additional nutrients does help in terms of um making them more healthier and, and vigorous and stronger yeah I, I feel like that finding that perfect kind of combination between strain and substrate is how we're like are the the two main factors that are going to come together to really give us kind of the ideal scenario but it's just to me again thinking about you know, we know that it's not just psilocybin and psilocin that are active indoles within the mushrooms. We've got baocysteine, norbaocysteine, uh, epinephrine. There's several other compounds that were recently identified uh, by German scientists like three to five years ago. And and so, like, I, I, I kind of, I don't know, I'm very much looking forward to the day as we have a better understanding of how the different ratios of those compounds impact the the, the strength or the, the qualitative nature of the experience, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, no, we're definitely moving towards there. We, we now have the ability to test um, psilocybin. Um, but yeah, in terms of other alkaloids that are in the mushrooms, they, they yeah, it varies depending on different uh, varieties. And, you know, that, in my opinion, they're, they're like, no, no one trip is going to be the same as the other. Or no one experience is going to be the same as the other. It's just right. what you're going through at the moment in life and what kind of psilocybin does is kind of amplify it for you. Well, that's a huge, the qualitative nature of the experience changes so much based on inputs other than just the mushroom. That's one of the things I try to talk about with our facilitators as we train people and to become better, better facilitators is to understand that everything in the setting is a variable. And then considering all of the mental goings on all the things that have happened in the days and hours preceding that experience. It, it really illustrates how dynamic life itself is that every day we, we perceive ourselves in the same environment. Everything looks the same, seems the same, but there are so many variables that shift that impact us that we're not aware of. And when we consume these mushrooms, it just highlights that to such an extent. It's, it's, I, I think it's fascinating personally. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. I noticed that one of the elements in them choosing a winner was the phosphate to tryptamine balance or ratio. Sure. And then there was another factor that I read that I'm forgetting, but I'm curious, like what, what was the reasoning there? Why is that a benefit? Mm -hmm. um, Good question. To measure that down, that ratio. Mm. Personally, or, or, or like I, to be honest with you, I, I don't actually know. Um, I, I haven't dove that deep into the field of, of testing for potency or anything of that sort. Um, for me, it, my main center of focus uh, has always kind of been around cultivation, really. At the, at the core of, of what I do is just cultivation. And, you know, I, I have explored uh, my times with them and, you know, I kind of, understand a lot more about them now um but yeah i'm not exactly sure uh, i mean nowadays uh with things kind of progressing the, the way they are um psilocybin is you know more readily researched now and you know I'm, it's, it's so nice to be able to have more research and more data come out uh on psilocybin in terms of like uh what they possess and how they can really impact our lives really um mm. So yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to the future of this field and see where where the growth um, sustains. And yeah, yeah, the biggest surprise for me, I think, out of that the Civil Seven Cup was that it they seem to show pretty clearly that the stems are more potent than the caps consistently, which I had always thought the other way. Uh, and I think it was that first one that they did where that was published by Alan Rockefeller, maybe. So anyway, that was a big, big surprise for me and just showed how much I have to learn. Yeah, I've always said, give me the caps. What about, let's, ta let's talk sense. about this enigma for a second, because when this thing came out, I was just like, what the fuck is going on here? And now we've, we've identified psilocybin in lichens. Uh, we've got cicadas that are dropping psilocybin spores all around. You know, to, for those who aren't knowledgeable on Enigma, I know you talked about it as a 
a morph of Tidal Wave 2, which is what I've read as well. Uh, but what describe to our audience what makes it so unique? Because I think that this is everybody knows Penis Envy and Golden Teacher, but this is something that is really an anomaly in the mushroom world overall. Uh, so yeah, could you could you just talk about this specific strain? Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, Enigma, uh, there's always so many questions that come up about Enigma uh, because <laughs> they just look so weird. They just look so different um, yeah. than, than what you're used to seeing. Let me see a picture um, of this Enigma. Oh, do, you, do you have a picture? Do you want me to send you a picture? Uh, you can find, you can just uh, is find there, there. Is it on like your that. Instagram? Yeah, he had some on Instagram, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, it's been on my Instagram. It's also on my website as well. But they are uh, more like a polypore. That, and I, I've never studied them up close. I don't know. No, no, they're just, a, they're just a mycelium mass. Uh -huh, um, uh -huh. they, they don't produce caps. They don't produce spores. They just grow. They, they started off as a mutation off of the Tidal Wave 2 strain, and uh, someone was able to isolate that. And yeah, it, it just continually produces. Um, nowadays, in order to yeah. receive Enigma, because it doesn't have caps, because it doesn't have spores, mm -hmm. um, you really need the culture in order to reproduce them. And mm -hmm. the culture nowadays is being gifted out um, to other mycologists. Uh, I personally was gifted um, a, a culture of it. And um, yeah, it's, it, it just kind of pays homage to the, the creator of enigma because they they don't want it to be for profit they just want it to be gifted out as a culture um but yeah it's it's a very unique strain it's you know it, it, it grows it looks like a, a like a cauliflower or like a um underwater coral reef like it's just mm -hmm. the strangest thing that ever happened and yeah. um it's crazy how it was able to this phenotype was able to be isolated and and you know reproduced out um many times um so, yeah. yeah, I mean, it actually That's... looks like a cauliflower mushroom or like a very young hen of the woods. Yeah, be, the thing is, uh, what's so special about it is because it doesn't produce caps and it doesn't produce spores, um, you're you can kind of get away with just letting it go for mm -hmm. longer. Like a lot of mushrooms, once they Typical normal mushrooms, when they open up their veils and they release spores, that's towards the end of their life cycle, and they're trying mm -hmm. to release the spores so they can continue the life cycle of mushrooms. The thing with Enigma is because it, it doesn't release spores, um, you can let it go longer. And that's kind of where my hypothesis came up with, is like if you let it go longer, um, it can develop more of the compounds um, that makes mm -hmm. it so unique. And uh, yeah, that's just my experience, my hypothesis on it, and it, it kind of follows true. Uh, but like I said, there's a lot more research that has to be done uh, in terms of, of this. And, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of going off of my experience. No, I would agree. I've had the same experience with truffles as well. The longer that they incubate, then the more potent they become. Uh, seems like a similar kind of concept. I'm curious, though, what, you know, I've, heard, I've read in the last couple of years what some of the suspected uh evolutionary purpose of psilocybin is for the mushrooms uh which the most recent thing i read was as an insect repellent but i'm curious if you in your experience have any other thoughts on that i i certainly do mushrooms as an insect repellent yeah the psilocybin that the mushrooms produce psilocybin as a as an insect repellent like eating it 
Oh, it very well possibly can. Um, I, I wouldn't doubt that at all. Um, I mean, psilocybin mushrooms, um, because they produce uh, the chemicals that they are through, I guess, natural selection and how they, they've evolved over time um, to repel predators and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a defense mechanism, in my opinion, um, that they developed um, in order to produce those effects. And, you know, I think when people ingest it... Um, it does kind of come on as you're somewhat like poisoning yourself, but like not necessarily because it, it actually psilocybin is, you know, it's not fatal. Uh, but in a way, like it, it's meant to, to be a defense mechanism for the mushroom to kind of ward off people from trying to, to eat it pretty much. That's, that's well, I don't know. I don't know if it would ward off people from eating it because yeah, but I mean like marsh, like other animals or other species, mm -hmm. insects. Um, as yeah, I, I've done I've done quite a bit of outdoor psilocybin cultivation actually, um, and you know there were very few animals that I saw consuming the mushrooms. Occasionally, a squirrel would nibble, and then that'd be it. Um, or slugs were pretty pretty frequent. Um, I've heard it postulated, but I I feel like psilocybin is a powerful antibacterial um and as we talk about even as you're saying like as the mushrooms age they become more potent um or the ones that take longer to grow are more potent it makes sense to me that that would be a survival mechanism and maybe it serves both purposes maybe it's a, it's an insect repellent and antibacterial or maybe it's maybe i'm completely wrong i know that i have an anti-inflammatory anti effect when I consume psilocybin. It clears out my sinuses. It helps. A lot of people talk about, you know, mucus drainage and whatnot. Um, and even maybe you've noticed, I've noticed where wet spot bacteria will come in that the, the mushrooms will bruise right in that, in that zone. And it seems like it helps to prevent the bacteria from spreading similar to what i've seen in shiitake um and dissimilar yeah. to what happens in say lion's mane lion's mane is extremely susceptible to wet spot bacteria it does not have the ability to resist it but both shiitake and cubensis i've seen where that wet spot sets in they form kind of a a, a barrier around the bacteria preventing it from spreading through the Old the city of carp. Wow. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Mycelium just doesn't like contamination. Um, <laughs> it'll, it'll just grow away from it. Um, that's how I, I looked at it. I mean, I've had, I've, I've experienced the same through um, psilocybin varieties and also gourmet varieties as well. Um, even though something might be bacterial inside the, the, the sub, uh, as long as the mycelium can kind of isolate it out and grow it away from it, um, it can the, the healthy uh, mycelium can still produce. Um, it's just, you know, if it can keep the, the contamination or bacterial spot at bay, mm -hmm. um, then yeah, it, it's kind of what it does. But it won't colonize it because it, it, it just can't outcompete mold. Um, but, you know, they, they always grow away from it. Mm -hmm. Incredible. I can't wait for the day where um, we get strep throat and our doctor prescribes us psilocybin for <laughs> <laughs> the antibacterial. Oh, you've got a sinus effect. infection. You need two grams. Yeah, what, what I have heard is that there was some new science coming out that um, they're able to 
um, extract the benefits out of psilocybin uh, without having to give you that dissociative effect, like that trip effect. So you can still receive the benefits of psilocybin without having to go through an actual trip. So I, I thought that was really fascinating, like that, that uh, scientists really skeptical. come up with that these days, that technology has progressed that far. Um, I don't believe it. I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. You must trip. Just having, I mean, I'm not saying that there can't be some benefit that comes from, you know, non-psychoactive experience with psilocybin, but in having administered well more than 3,000 doses of psilocybin, I have seen like that trip, just like we're talking about the most challenging trips are oftentimes the most beneficial and most rewarding. And I, I don't know. There's something that does not sit well with me about taking this, like the most challenging part about this experience, taking it away and just trying to like fast track to the benefit. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm not saying there's not any value there, but you know, as a culture, we just keep trying to make things more convenient and easy on ourselves and convenience is a fucking killer you know like it's it's not having the regular challenges and threats to our existence that i feel like in so many ways encourage poor mental health you know like if you don't have a challenge in your life then your life is going to give you a challenge to overcome if that makes sense yeah no i agree with that so <clears throat> I noticed on your um, on your Instagram, uh, you showed some pictures of uh, capsules. And I think in the caption, you talked about them being microdose capsules. So I was curious um, for you what you put into those microdose capsules. They look pretty full. Uh, microdose capsules. I mean, there, there's a variety of, of medicinal mushrooms that you can put into microdose capsules um you know psilocybin can be one of them lion's mane is another one of them reishi mushrooms is another one turkey tail is another one cordyceps mushrooms are another one um, there's a variety of medicinal mushrooms and people do different blends of them as well just to kind of um, try and experience the the benefits of, of all the different types of beneficial uh, medicinal mushrooms so yeah, it, 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 it varies really. Um, mm -hmm. you know, some people, there's like some people that try to, um, you know, sell you like blends of different types of medicinal mushrooms together, or some people just do like extracts of, of certain medicinal mushrooms, but yeah, there, there's benefits to, to consuming, uh, medicinal mushrooms. You mentioned that microdosing wasn't that effective for you. I, I feel like there's a lot of hype around microdosing that I'm not sure is really all that deserved. Uh, and there are actually risks with microdosing that people don't talk about this increased level of anxiety in your everyday environment is one, but I'd, I'd love it if you could kind of go into that a little bit deeper as to why you have felt like microdosing wasn't the most effective method for you to work with psilocybin. Um, yeah, like, like I said before, um, everyone's chemical makeup, everyone's mental structure is made up differently. So depending on the medication that you're using, it has different effects for different people. Um, like I said, like microdosing might not work for me, but it can work for 
plenty of other people and that's mm-hmm. kind of what led to the hype that came around it because it helped a lot of people i mean that's just that's just the fact it mm-hmm. has helped a lot of people especially with ptsd when you have that fact out there you just can't ignore it like it, and for the people that are suffering from this and especially suffering for a long time without having kind of felt some type of relief from their suffering mm-hmm. um you know, microdosing psilocybin is life-changing for them. And, you know, whether, you know, depending on what mental health issues you're going with, different medications affect different people differently. And it's up to people to kind of explore their options and explore what ways that work for them um, and kind of pursue it. And, you know, psilocybin is just one of the many different compounds that you can explore in terms of helping your mental health. You said that microdosing wasn't that helpful for you, and I think you kind of mentioned it exacerbated some anxiety, and that's why I'd love to just kind of dig into it a little bit because it's just okay. not something that's so really So my personal about. experience with microdosing is kind mm-hmm. of what you're looking for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so my personal experience with microdosing, um, I would take them on an empty stomach. I would take 0.15 grams. Um, and for me, um, you know, I, I haven't... I don't have much of a big tolerance to them, so I can kind of feel a subtle effect of 0.15 grams. And for me, on an empty stomach, it's just kind of, uh, when it comes up, it's kind of like a, a restless feeling. It's um, a jittery type feeling, similar to if I'm on a high amount of caffeine. Uh, it's hard for me to stay focused because of this. Um, however, um, once the microdose starts to wear off, um, it's only like maybe like five, six hours that it starts to wear off. Um, the uncomfortable phases is like for me the first half and then in the half, second half, as you come down from the microdose, um, you get a sense of calmness and a sense of well-being. And I think that's also what you also get off of a macrodose as well when you're coming down off of it. Um, and I guess for a lot of people, that can be beneficial for them. Um, that sense of calmness and well-being kind of gives them clarity of what they need to do and to progress in their day-to-day life. And, you know, it's, you know, like I say, it works differently for some people. Some mm-hmm. people take it and it gives them energy, it gives them clarity, it gives them focus. And they're just so happy with the, the way they're feeling. And, you know, sometimes when it wears off, they kind of want to take more. So like the, the, the makeup of it and the different alkaloids that come with the different types of strains and different amounts and different blends of them um, affect people differently. So mm-hmm. um, I, I encourage people, you know, that are dealing with these issues to kind of explore your options to see what helps you, what doesn't. And, you know, if it doesn't help you, don't do it. You know, but mm-hmm. if it does help you, I, you know, say stick with it. Yeah, for sure. And I just think that's what needs to be brought into the conversation a little more while there's obviously been an incredible amount of benefit to so many people through microdosing. It uh, it just doesn't seem like there's necessarily a really balanced conversation about it. It's just kind of this is the thing that will help pretty much everybody. But there is a certain segment of the population that if if you take even a 0.1 gram, you've got to set aside two hours because you're going to have some Discomfort, yeah, yeah different people have different levels of their threshold in terms of how they experience the, the psilocybin experience. Some people are more sensitive to it, so they, they get a much more powerful experience. And some people just are, you know, their chemical makeup allows them to be more tolerant of, of the chemical, so mm-hmm. it has less of an effect for them. So it's kind of exploring the, the different types and exploring the dosage um, to see what works for you, you know, is what I, I would say kind of go for. For sure. Okay. 
So <clears throat> this is clearly such a big part of your life, um, working with mushrooms and educating others around mushrooms. And as you noted before we began, the importance of privacy uh, for you, which is totally understandable, hence the the mask and the glasses for anyone who's just listening and not watching. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm really curious for you, if you are able to share this part of your life with people close with you, like your friends and family. Yeah. Uh, people that are close to me that I consider, you know, almost like family. Um, yeah, I share with them. Yeah, they, they, they know me enough. Um, I trust them to not say anything and when anything comes up. I mean, I highly doubt anything would come up with them. Um, but yeah, it's just like people that I trust to, to know who I am. You know, I, I trust them fully. So I, I don't have mm -hmm. any issues with that. Um, in terms of family-wise, um, I pretty much just have my, my wife uh, with me as my close immediate family. Um and yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on my own, kind of a little, little bit distant away from my parents and, and kind of like the rest of my siblings and stuff like that. Uh, it's kind of how life is sometimes. As you're growing older, you kind of get more distant with your personal family. You kind of have your own family to tend to. So mm -hmm. uh, my personal friends that are close to me, that I consider close to me, you know, they're, they're in my close circle. And I almost kind of consider them like almost like family to me. Um, but yeah, they, they, you know, I have their trust. They, they have my trust. Is that challenging, um, not being able to be public with your work? Um, sometimes, yeah, mm -hmm. sometimes. Um, sometimes I, I wish I could be more public with it and just be more open and just kind of like, hey, let me, know, you know, let people know the accomplishments I've been. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I, you know, I know deep down when I first started the channel and, and go down this path that um, it's not going to be that way. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's, mm -hmm. I have to. I hate to say it, but be, be as anonymous as I can within. I, I stick by that um, until the laws change, until things kind of ease up a little bit. Um, that's just kind of how things are. Yeah, no, it was a major issue for Courtney and I. You know, we put a lot of love into our mushrooms and we, you know, we were growing a significant amount. Um, and it's not that we wanted to get noted like notarization or get notoriety no not not notarized but uh, <laughs> notoriety yeah notoriety there you go thank you uh, for the work but it is work we took great pride in and i think it's just natural that when you work hard at something you want some form of recognition you know and you want people to see the face and say oh wow this is beautiful this person is putting love into this work and it's really obvious that you put a lot of care and consideration into the work that you do and that you're doing it in order to help people help themselves. So, you know, I just, I just feel for you, man. My heart goes out to you knowing what it's like to, you know, be doing God's work, if you will. Yeah. I, I like to think of it as I'm doing work in the shadows. <laughs> mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I let the, the work impact on its own. I, I keep mm -hmm. my head down. I, I just kind of stay forward on my path and I'm just kind of doing my own thing. I don't, I don't get too, too out there, um, mm -hmm. with myself. You know, I just feel, I like what I do. I'm going to continue doing it and people will follow me. That's great. You know, I, I appreciate every single one of you people that, um, end up following me and kind of like, going along this journey with me um, in terms of um, cultivation of mushrooms. So, 
Yeah. So what's, what are your two, two questions? Personal okay. favorite, personal favorite strain and personal favorite method. Okay. Uh, my personal favorite strain is um, my own kind of like isolation is called the vapor. It's, it's okay. a blue ape revert. It's an albino penis envy revert um, that grows blue. Uh, what that means is it's an albino penis envy strain that grows like a traditional mushroom instead of its iconic um, phallic shape, um, sort of say. Uh, so that's my personal favorite um, to it, grow it, because it's, it's, it's something I've, I've kind of isolated out and it's kind of my own thing that's unique to me. Does it produce um, spores? Um, yes. Yeah, so some of it does produce okay. spores, some of it does not. So okay. I, I'm in, in the process of trying to stabilize um, these genetics out so that they can consistently produce spores and continue nice. on the generations. Um, but it's just something that I've kind of lucked on to. Um, and, you know, it's it's a gift to me from you know uh, the genetic lotteries and, and i kind of run with it um in terms of favorite um process i would say the the modified monotubs is the best way to go mm -hmm. dig it have you ever done anything with uh wood lovers or outdoor cultivation uh i'm getting into that at the moment yeah okay. uh, in terms of wood lovers I've, I've grown out a variety of gourmet wood lover species um, in mm -hmm. terms of active ones I, i'm still kind of in the process of um, exploring that so i haven't quite gotten there but it's a goal of mine to, to reach there and, and to be able to, to pass on that knowledge once i uh, achieve it awesome yeah i've been a uh, a huge lover of the ovoids for several years and uh, do a fair amount of uh, transplant mycelium transplanting out there. So before I forget, uh, we have a fanboy question. Oh yeah, Tristan. I cannot forget. We haven't forgot you. Yeah. Uh, so Tristan wants to know, um, how would your life differ if you would have never come to uh, sacred mushrooms? Hmm. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would my life would have been? Um, I would just be working an ordinary nine to five job. Um, maybe experiencing like an, an existential crisis or something like that uh, along the way in terms of, <laughs> of do I want to be doing this for the rest of my life and just kind of being like a, a wandering around seeing what interests me and stuff. So uh, I'm kind of glad my college came into that part of my life when I, I really needed it the most. Um, so that's how I looked at it. But yeah, if, if I haven't come across it, I, I'd probably be dealing with my mental health issues and, and I probably kind of stay in the same path that I was, just continuing what I'm doing, just following the, um, the path and just kind of like conforming to what's comfortable around me. So um, having the experience to experience uncomfortableness and, and growth from it um, is kind of what is leading me towards um, that direction. Mm. What about in terms of when you set yourself up for, for a dose, do you have a kind of a method that you follow or do you just lay on the couch and see where it goes? How, how much of a setup do you put into your experiences? Um, it kind of comes with the experience of, of the more you do, the more you know about it and the more you prepare for it. So set and setting is definitely important. Um, I, I definitely want to be comfortable. Uh, I tend to kind of clean my home. 
Um, prior to the experience, make sure that I get everything taken care of, all my responsibilities taken care of, so that I don't have any worries going into it. Um, and the method of, um, you know, consuming, I would say, I, I would, the two favorite methods for me personally, I would blend it up with orange juice and just chug it or make it into a smoothie. You can throw like strawberries and whatnot. It, it, it definitely helps. Mm -hmm. um, and the other one is just making tea out of them. Tea to, to just extract the psilocybin into the tea. And uh, if you, you know, simmer it long enough, um, you extract enough that you, you can throw away the little bits and just kind of just consume the tea and, and get the same experience. Mm -hmm. Fresh versus dry. Do you have any opinion on that? Uh, fresh is definitely stronger. Mm -hmm. yep. I love fresh. Yeah, if you ever get fresh stuff, like it, it always is a, it's a magical time. It mm -hmm. is a magical. So you find the experience itself to be different, not just stronger, but uh, it's it's, it's similar. It's all similar in a way. Uh, the way we kind of experience psilocybin, like coming up, um, and there's like a peak, and then there's a come down, and. There's a lot that comes along with it, like the yawning is, is very common along the way. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of the same for me. I would say if you're consuming it in a liquid form, it, it just lasts a little bit shorter than if you had consumed the fruits. Mm, yeah, uh, still to this day, I had this one years ago. I took probably about, it was probably about 80 to 90 fresh grams and put that in a blender made a smoothie and just chug it and within 10 minutes i was in the stratosphere it was incredible i mean i still prefer fresh anytime i can get that and it's, was that your strongest experience ever oh no no it's ironically my the strongest experience that i've ever had and i've had you know mega doses 12 15 gram range and but the strongest experience i've ever had was a six gram dose that i took kind of i had a buddy that was supposed to come over and we were going to split these six grams he didn't make it and i was like oh whatever six grams ain't nothing i'll take that and it rocked my world i, I i've told the story publicly a couple times now but it's a, I, I actually sweated blood i was in front of the executioner and the aliens and it was crazy mm -hmm. um and the next day i got up I was out, just fell asleep outside because it was too much. The next day I went inside to clean up and looked in the mirror and I had actually sweated blood, which is a medical condition that has been rarely documented. And whenever it has been, it's been individuals who were in front of a firing squad or about to be hanged where they were approaching sudden death. So it was, uh, but that, that was one of the most positive experiences that I've ever had as well. It changed it just changed my outlook on life to such a degree that uh, there's no going back, you know? Mm. So, <clears throat> yeah, I've been, been through the ringer. <laughs> I feel you on that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, there was, there was one more question I was getting ready to ask. Uh, dang it. Oh, regularity. What's do you, do you have a, a kind of a regimen that you go by? There have been times in my life where, you know, I, I did a mo every month or twice a month or every made sure every six months. It's not quite that right now because I've had so many experiences at this point. But I'm curious if you have a kind of a, uh, a schedule that you go by in terms of dosing yourself or is it just on an as needed basis? For me, it's an as needed basis. Um, whenever I feel that things are 
steering a little bit out of my control or getting a little bit crazy, then I, I would take a little bit and what it does, it grounds me back to the reality that we're in and it just helps me to get back to my core of, of you know, what I need to focus on. Mm. Does your wife um, dose with you ever? Um, no, actually. <laughs> um, uh, she's been with me throughout the process. She's witnessed uh, everything that I've gone through. Um, but no, she's she's not um, really interested in in um, any type of um, mind altering substances. Really, um, the way I like to look at it is, um, she's just kind of high on life. Really, <laughs> it's a beautiful way to be. Uh huh. Okay. Do you have any more? No, this has been questions? a great yeah. uh, introduction to you and your work and our audience to your work. Uh, for you know, we do get a number of people who are curious about cultivation. So hopefully they'll go and check out your YouTube channel and your Instagram page, follow you on all the social stuff and and learn a little bit. Again, we're not encouraging illegal activity, but if you do, make sure you do it right, do it safely. There is always a risk associated with everything that we do. Mm -hmm. So this is really more about harm reduction than anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I hope uh, some of your many followers learn some new things about you yeah. uh, today during this interview. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Uh, you guys had some great questions and I, and I, I enjoyed uh, being able to you know, share my experience along the way. Awesome. awesome. We have one one more question oh, for yeah, you. Yeah, it's something more. we ask every single guest on psilocybin says. What does psilocybin say to you? Mm. What does psilocybin say to me? Uh, if I can sum it down, um, just be grateful. Just be grateful and be mindful of the reality, the world around you. Um, you know, we take for granted what we have living in this era at the moment We're we're, we have everything ever that we ever want kind of at our fingertips right now. And we get so lost and like absorbed into that, that, you know, psilocybin just kind of tells you to, Hey, just take a step back from all that, take a step back from all the distractions and just kind of be present in the moment you have around you here just enjoy that you know you're this human being on this gigantic planet of like billions of other people and like you know you can make an impact mm. it's, it's crazy mm -hmm. it's crazy how 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 you know um psilocybin and, and psychedelics kind of like allow you to change perspective of of life that, you know mm. that, that's how i summarize it Awesome. Beautiful. Be Gratitude is certainly one of the um, attributes that we encourage people to infuse into their life as much as possible. And for Courtney and I, it's central to the work that we do. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for having the impact that you're having. It is beautiful to see what one person can do for so many other people. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, I, I would say, you know, just it's, it's always best to kind of just focus on the positive things uh, in mm -hmm. life and how things are, are going well for you. Um, the more you do that, the more positive of a person you become. You start kind of focusing on negatives in life, and that's kind of how you, you end up, you know, becoming. You kind of like, you are what you think you are. You know, yes. Like, so. yes, 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 yes. All right, awesome, PGT. Thank you so much for your time, and look forward to sharing your wonderful work with our audience.
Yes, thanks so much. It's been awesome. All right, thank you, Courtney and Eric. <laughs> and the beating of the drum. <laughs>